0: Hi there. this is Christian Horner.
1: You've won the Austrian
0: Grand Prix! <laughs> Hi, it's Alex Halbon. Hi, I'm Max Verstappen, and you're listening to the Aston Martin Rebel Racing Podcast. Oh, this feels good! <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to Talking Ball, the official Aston Martin Red Bull Racing podcast. We're about to embark on the next part of the 2019 season and it's all to play for. We're 12 races in, we've had five podium finishes, Max scored his first pole position in Hungary and had race wins in Austria and Germany where the team also broke the record for pit stops. They managed it in an incredible 1.88 seconds knocking an impressive three hundredths of a second off our own record set at Silverstone. Nice work, boys. The big news over the summer break, we have a new driver. Alex Albon has been promoted from our sister team, Toro Rosso, and joins Max for the rest of the year. This podcast is all about meeting the man himself in his first exclusive chat with the team. We'll be catching up with MotoGP legend Mark Marquez. We spend 60 seconds with our trackside infrastructure engineer, Olaf Janssen. And we know you love music. We'll end on a huge new tune from Floors. First up, let's introduce you to Alex. Tom caught up with him at the factory while he was getting fitted for his brand new racing seat.
3: Firstly, Alex, welcome to the Talking Bull podcast. Uh, great Thank to you. have you on here for the first time. Thank you. Um, firstly,
0: mate, just tell us, how does it feel to be an Aston Martin Red Bull racing driver? Firstly, I get more messages nowadays. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the first thing. But no, really excited. I think, uh, you know, just to be a part of the whole family. To see, but well, I was already, let's be honest, with Toro Rosso. But you know, now, now I step up to the big team. It's, uh, yeah, there's more to it. Of course, it, it, there, there comes expectation with with stepping up to the big team. But um, to be honest, you could kind of ignore that and um, just focus on yourself. And uh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. How exactly did the news get broken to you? Um, you know, when, where were you when you found out that you were going to be driving the RB15 in Belgium? I got a call from Dr. Marco he, on the Friday. He told me what's my plans over the summer break he said to me, you need to be, uh, can you be at my office on Monday? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I can. He was like, uh, 9 a.m. I was like, oh, okay, then Then I need to, to stay the night before in Austria. So I left Sunday night, uh, had a meeting Monday morning, but there was no context to the meeting. Just more about for plans for next year, really. And uh, what, really, how the season's gone and that kind of thing. Just to catch up. And then that's really what went down for the first 30 minutes. And then... After 30 minutes, um, he told me the news. And yeah, it was, it was a. It, I mean, these kind of chats are quite short, to be honest. Just, okay, this is it. This is what's happening. And then Christian called me and just kind of just more reassured me and, and told me, listen, okay, obviously it's a big thing, but uh, don't feel it kind of thing. Just try and uh, do your best and just try to ignore it, really. Ign- ignore all the noise around you. And it was just chaos. I was like, well, okay, I see why now. And Because I, I left it on. I was like, oh, what's the big deal? And then when it hit, I was like, right, straight up. Uh, the phone off, exactly. Yeah. Then all the media start to try to speak to you, and I was like, okay, you know. Firstly, how do you have my number? And secondly, <laughs> no, thank you. But
3: yeah. I just want to take you back seven months because it's been a kind of crazy rollercoaster for yeah, you. It looked like you were actually set to be competing in Formula E this year. Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, expect that you would be driving for a race-winning Formula
0: One team? Come now. No way. I mean. Take it back—not even seven months. Take it back twelve months ago. I was racing race by race, literally. Uh, I was I was uh, getting a call up on a Monday to see if I could if I was free, and uh, I'd book my flights on a Tuesday and race and leave literally fly on a Wednesday. So that was kind of my life last year for the first six races in Formula 2, and that kind of stayed with me until I got the Formula E chance with the same team, that was with a team called Dams at the time. That was it, there was no option for Formula 1, and I thought, well, Formula E is the next best thing. It's the second most, let's say, competitive motor racing kind of sport or championship there is. That was my future really set in stone. Literally Abu Dhabi got the call up for for um, Toro Rosso, got my first taste in an F1 car in March, I think it was, and uh, even then, all that stuff just felt unreal. And and I had a good start to the season, and everything was going well. Made my mistakes, um, I guess, as a rookie <laughs> does, but uh, still learning a lot. And then it came to this summer break, and not given this chance. So it's it's a wild, wild turnaround, and it's honestly laughable. I mean, people understand that you've you've switched
3: teams and and cars. There's a bit of a change, um, sure. but. There's a lot more to it than
0: people might expect. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? I think firstly, Max winning in 20 was it 16 or 15, kind of made this thing like it's quite easy to change cars, but really it's not. The first thing is obviously, I'm still learning. So the thing for me is like, let's say my slope in terms of speed is growing and I feel a lot better driving right now than I did in Melbourne, the first race. And I know that I've got more to do I, I still feel there's a lot of areas I need to work on, not just driving. I think the driving bit's maybe the most natural bit, but it 's more the team kind of understanding how to set up a car and and what areas you need to work on. Is it the electronic guy is it the the engine guy well, where, where do you need to find the laptop? I still feel that slope's going to improve, so I do feel a little bit like oh. You know, I'm now in the race-winning, championship-winning team, uh, and I've still got, let's say, room to improve. So it is a little bit daunting because I do feel like, okay, right, it's not that I'm not ready, but I feel there was there's still room there to, to be more ready. If yeah. that makes sense, it is a bit of a of a jump, but um, you know, you just got to get used to it. And you
3: touched on it there. Um, there's obviously a lot of new people to um, get used to. Have you met everyone
0: that you'll be working with? Uh, no, haven't. <laughs> so this summer break isn't great for that we we've had two weeks almost three weeks off now since since the announcement and for people that don't know we we kind of we're not allowed to really communicate with with anyone in the team at that time so um no kind of meetings no kind of emails exchanged it was just enjoy the holiday come back on monday and uh do your seat fit and get ready so i think um (laughs) the relatives in in Red Bull who must be know more team members than I do, that's for sure. I feel like I'm still learning the names and, and the faces of everyone around me. But yeah, I mean, today, Monday, we did the seat fit. Tomorrow we got some some meetings to do and then Wednesday we have sim before we head out to to uh, to spa, so I'll get to know most of my team by then. So that that's the main thing and then, of course, it will just be about kind of being at the track and, and there's only so much you can do. You've got to kind of be in the in the moment it sounds corny but you kind of just have to be in there to 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 learn everyone's how they work and, and that kind of thing because it's not just about knowing their names, it, it's about them understanding you and that's been something I've really learned in Toros this year. I wouldn't say we don't understand each other at the start of the season but it's just that they get you three, four months into the year, you they kind of know exactly what you mean and they know the kind of things you like, you don't like. That stuff takes time. That's why it's not simple just to arrive into a new team and suddenly be straight on the pace, because there's a lot of stuff, which, a lot of groundwork and a lot of um, chemistry that needs to take place before you start really understanding the team and the team understand you.
3: You need to sort of foster
0: those relationships and, exactly. and sort of build exactly. towards that, so. Exactly.
3: Speaking of uh, new relationships, a new team also means a new teammate. Um, sure. It looks like you've actually known Max for
0: quite a while. Um, yeah. How, how far back do you guys go? Yeah, so I would say my first introduction to Max was 2010 actually. So we raced each other then. The whole thing then was I was kind of this slightly experienced driver. It was my third year in the, in the championship. It was called KF3 go-karting and it was Max's first year. Max was kind of the young guy, kind of what he is now, but he was the the hot shot let's say and uh, we were fighting each other quite hard that year. I became European and World Champion and he became WSK which was like a, a European championship. We would always end up fighting each other. Um we had a few crashes with each other but the rivalry was good. Like it was um it was intense actually. Um but I really enjoyed it and uh, that was the only year we raced against each other head-to-head. I'd like to say I came on top at that time, but that's also because I was a bit more experienced than he was. It's weird because I always see him as the younger guy, but now he's got five, almost five years of experience. experience. <laughs> yeah. So that he's a younger but experienced guy. So yeah, it's a bit weird.
3: You've also enjoyed a great rivalry with the likes of Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, George Russell on your road to F1. Yeah. What's yeah. it been like to continue that battle at the highest level of motorsport this year?
0: Yeah, it's all that kind of feeling of, especially last year. You see all the, everyone doing so well in Formula One. You see Max Charles doing, doing a really good job. And then at that time as well, George and Lando were almost, even if they weren't confirmed for Formula One, you knew that, that they were going to be in Formula One the year after that. It was a bit like, Oh, you know, I've missed the boat here and, and I'm going to be in Formula E. But saying that, circumstances changed. Let's say the, the driver swaps helped massively. Have to thank Ricardo for that one. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the opportunity came. And now I'm here. Now we're now we're we're all in it together. It's it's really cool. I really enjoy it to be honest. Because it, you come into a Formula One, it's a little bit daunting in some respects. You're you're up against Lewis, Sebastian, these kind of title names, and you you know obviously these guys are the best at their game, really. But then at the same time, you think I've raced against him. I've raced against him, and then you think about it. You race against half of these people in in some way or another, and that kind of takes the sting away from it a little bit, and you you can relax a bit more into it and still get on really well with, with almost all of them. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's nice because it, it it just feels like the casting paddock back, but back, back this time we we're, we're in Formula One.
3: Yeah, a lot of respect for each other. Like everyone can see that as well. Um, what was
0: their reaction like to the news that you were going to be making a step up? George, Charles were the first people to take one of the first people to text me actually. I think because we're this young generation, we're all happy for each other because it looks like we're all doing quite well. When you just purely compare it to teammates or compare it to just to how we're doing, it's nice because it, it just seems like there's a new generation these days that's coming through, where there was a bit of a gap. I think, let's say, f- from the, for the last six years, where where the guys who are who are now in Formula One are have are quite. I will not say old, but the they're older than us and you have got this wave coming through and yeah we all get along because we've we're basically friends just because we've grown up with each other our whole lives it looks good on us because when when you know you've competed against a guy last year who's now doing so well let's say you realize like hang on we're not bad kind of thing and uh, it's it's just it's cool. It's great to see you all like push each other along yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe in five years when george is in mercedes and and Lando's doing his thing. Maybe it'll be le- less friendly, we'll see about that. But for now it is quite friendly and is, uh, we yeah. even heard a little rumor that you actually
3: spent uh, some time with George over the summer break.
0: Yeah, we we were in Portugal together. Um, he got sick though, so he could uh, literally only spend a day with, with me, but he's feeling better now. But even Lando, we play iRacing quite a lot together. So. Uh, Yeah, I know Max as well plays with Lando. Again, it's this new generation and we're we're all quite close to each other. We all want
2: to be in top teams and we all have the same ambitions. So you kind of share similar interests. Welcome to the team, Alex. We have part two of his exclusive chat on the way. Now, Alex isn't the only newbie in the team this year. We also have an all-new Red Bull F1 energy station. It's the talk of the paddock, made up of sustainably sourced Austrian timber. It offers 27% more floor space than its predecessor. It can be erected in less than two days and taken down in one by a crew of 25. Everyone has been keen to try it out, including MotoGP legend Mark Marquez, Steve caught up with him to find out what he makes of his Formula 1 experience.
4: Mark Marquez, welcome to the
5: brand new Red Bull F1 Energy Station. Thank you. Um, how has your day gone so far? Not bad, not bad. Uh, it's my first time here in Formula 1. Uh, I, was, uh, I did a test, but i never been in a, in a GP uh, in Formula 1. So, so yeah, it was really nice to, to see, especially the way to work inside the box. And yeah, then I was on the on the track, and yeah, it was a, it was a nice experience. How did you find the garage? What did you think of it when you went in there? Uh, when I was in the in the garage, I mean, uh, of course, I'm used to to, to be in a garage of MotoGP, but here in Formula One was a different the way to to work, the way to, like, uh, I mean, uh, the engineers, uh, the position, all these things, and and yeah, it was impressive because uh, everything is bigger. You know, we have. Uh, two bikes but uh, you know we have uh, only two wheels uh, per bike so here everything is bigger but it was uh, really nice. How did the team members vary, are there
4: a lot more people in F1 or more in MotoGP or is it quite similar?
5: Already when I was here in the hospitality in the Red Bull session it was, uh, was amazing but then when I was in the box uh, I saw already that there was many many people, I mean uh, I has been testing with. Uh, with F1 and, uh, and also has been in the Red Bull in uh, in London and it and was, was nice to see but uh, he is working much more people and yeah in uh, MotoGP we can say that it's more like a family you know. You
4: uh, took a bit of a trip I hear as well to the one of the corners to watch the, the cars going around, how did you how did you find it uh, and were there any sort of similarities you could take or pointers you could take for when you're back <laughs> here later in the season?
5: Yeah, it was on the, on the last, last section and, uh, and yeah, I cannot take many references from uh, F1. Uh, they, they are braking so late. I mean, it's true that uh, then it's so difficult to, to see the, 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 the main difference between uh, riding style. I mean, uh, in MotoGP you can see how the, 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 the rider is playing with the body. Here it's more difficult to, to see the difference but also was nice to see the corner speed because uh, it's amazing how, how they can turn the, the car. And obviously you
4: had to go in uh, one of the Formula 1 cars last year. Yeah. Uh, how did you find that experience?
5: The experience was uh, really nice when I was uh, driving the, the, the F1 car, I mean especially in the beginning. Uh, especially the brake point, you know, I started with the car and I was braking more or less in the same place like a motorbike but then uh, you can see that you go, you can go very, very deep on the break point. This was one thing and then the downforce. Downforce is something that we, we don't have on the motorbikes and uh, here they, they have uh, the downforce is the, I think the most important thing on the on the high speed corners and was amazing because looks like you cannot be faster, but if you are faster, better it is. So it uh, was difficult to understand. And before that, I understand you had a bit of a go in our
4: simulator and Milton Keynes as well. Do you have anything similar to that in MotoGP to to sort of test the bike, test the track and get used to it?
5: No, in MotoGP we don't have simulators. In MotoGP, I feel lucky because still the the rider is the the most important thing. Here, when I was on the simulator, you can see that everything is about engineers. I mean, of course the driver is very, very important, but the engineers also are very, very important. In MotoGP too. But uh, in the end, uh, you cannot have a simulator because uh, depend depends how you're riding, depends if you are tired or not, depends uh, how is the position of your body, the bike balance is changing a lot, so uh, it's impossible to, to have a simulator. Do you think you'd ever like to make the change from two wheels to four? <laughs> Uh, last year, when I when I was testing after the test, uh, many 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 journalists asked to me, but uh, you know, two wheels is my my wall. Uh, of course, it's nice to, to to have the experience. Of course, it's nice to to drive uh, F1 and uh, and yeah, enjoy that amazing experience. But in the end, here we have the best drivers in the world, so I choose two, two, two wheels and yeah, I mean uh, to arrive on the level of uh, F1. Uh, I think I will be not able to, to, to do it. Do you find when
4: you're racing MotoGP on the bike that you're a lot more sort of connected with the bike as you're sort of, there's nothing really surrounding you where within the F1 car you've got a body and a lot more protection?
5: Yeah, when, when I was uh, driving an F1 car, I feel really safe. I mean, I, I feel like inside a box and uh, very safe and uh, then uh, I was not scared to, if I was there, Dr. Marco, Mark Weber, and uh, they told me, break later. I said, okay, I will break later, because it's just you lock the wheels and uh, go straight and uh, come back. So in uh, MotoGP, it's different. I mean, when you see that the bike is shaking, when you see that you are playing with the body, when somebody told you, brake later, uh, you say, <laughs> you, you can do it, I will not do, but uh, is that the risk and the feeling the adrenaline is in a, in a different way. Would you say racing is in your DNA, you grow
4: up with it and therefore when you change whatever machine you go to is there's something in you that, that knows how to do it?
5: The way to to understand the, the motorsport or the, the adrenaline and, and it's true that uh, for example if I take, uh, if I'm riding a bike, if I drive a car, I have one, I like to be fast. Uh, I mean I don't like to, to drive and only spend the time, no I like to... To be fast and for that reason before i answer to you in a way that uh, you're thinking to move to no if i'm not competitive in something i don't like to do it because in the end uh, yeah i like the experience but i like to be competitive where where i am and to stay competitive
4: what do you do to sort of stay sharp and what does your training consist of
5: i mean uh, it's the ambition is the ambition is the the motivation i mean in the end uh, I get up every day. In the end, I, I try to to be focused. I try to, to to train at home. Try to have some plan because I like when uh, you arrive on Sunday and you have uh, that uh, that feeling of the victory. Um, you brushed up on about winning then and. When you
4: win, you have some quite signature celebrations. How do you prepare for that,
5: or how would you, how do you train to do that and get it right every single time? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, uh, it depends how you feel. I mean, uh, I'm very lucky that I have a very nice group. And during a weekend, uh, I have like my mechanics are my friends. Sometimes we are in Barcelona and uh, we we go to dinner or to party or to whatever or to the beach because. Uh, we like, uh, we, are, we are friends and uh, when we are there uh, during SGP of course we are professional but we have some uh, free time and then uh, we are speaking about it. And then yeah, sometimes uh, you get some ideas but uh, then uh, depend depends how you feel that moment then you celebrate in one way or the, or the other way. Um, and then what do you do, so you've, you've won your
4: race you've not got a race for a week or two what do you do to sort of take your mind away from racing and switch off
5: i'm living uh, in my town i mean in the town where i was born so so yeah this is the, the the best way to to relax to disconnect because then you have uh, your friends from the school uh, you have your family you have your cousins and uh, and then uh, this all these things helps me to 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 have this stability and and Honestly speaking, where I feel better is when I'm at home. So then, of course, in summertime and wintertime, I try to find some places to, to have some holidays. But uh, I like to, to be just quiet. And do any of your friends race? And did you go out racing with them? No, no, no. All, all my friends, uh, they, they are riding a bike. They, they, they ride uh, like a duro and a motocross sometimes, but uh, just amateur. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm very lucky that my brother also is competing in the world championship in a Moto2 category, so, so then uh, I spend a lot of time with him and uh, we are uh, living together, training together, uh, we are traveling together around the world and this is the, the best way and uh, I feel very lucky because uh, you spend the time with your brother but in the same time he's your best friend and uh, the, the person that that you are training and spend uh, a lot of time. And do you sort of share each other like tips and advice with each other? Yeah, of course. I mean, when we are at home, we are trying to analyse uh, his weekend, my weekend, and then uh, try to share the, the information. But uh, but then when we are on the race week, uh, on the weekend, then uh, I'm working with my team, he's working with his team. Of course, if I have a doubt or he has a doubt, uh, we, we ask and we discuss about it, but uh, yeah, then we are more focused on uh, on our category. On uh, But yeah, when we are at home, we are trying, I try to help him, and he try to help me. Does him and your family help
4: you sort of stay motivated? Obviously, winning five world championships, you keep coming back, you're hungrier each year. Does, does your family help drive that sort of passion?
5: Yeah, of course, uh, my family, my friends, my team. I, you, you know, when you are winning, and then you see that uh, the emotions of the people around you are uh, maybe even more excited than you. So this is something that uh, that, uh, is incredible. Uh, In the end, if you are winning and you feel alone, uh, it's no sense. So uh, for me, the the most important thing is that uh, when I'm winning, I see all uh, happy faces from uh, my my family, my team, my friends and then this motivate me that I want to repeat this moment, so continue like this.
4: And do you get to take any of them to any sort of other cool Red Bull events?
5: <laughs> yeah, normally, for example, today I come with my brother. Uh, he's not a Red Bull athlete, uh, but he was in the past and uh, he will be, I think. <laughs> so, so yeah, then uh, then was uh, sometimes I, I come with him then some time with my father, my mother, and uh, my friends, uh, were, they were in a Red Bull Ring uh, GP uh, last, uh, last year, and uh, they enjoyed it a lot, so yeah, I tried to spend uh, time with them. And how has like Red Bull played a part in your career? How long have you being a Red
4: Bull athlete and how they helped you progress. Uh,
5: obviously, since I started in the World Championship from 2008, uh, I already was a Red Bull athlete. So uh, I feel really proud uh, to, to be in a Red Bull family because uh, you know, some uh, some brand that uh, believe in you from uh, you start. Uh, I was 15 years old. Now I'm 26, and uh, and yeah, already 11 years working to together. So it's a uh, then it's not like a sponsor. It's like something different. I mean, it's some connection there that, uh, that uh, I like it. And, and yeah, uh, in the end, uh, it's a cool brand and also it's an exclusive brand. So this is a, something that, uh, that yeah, I feel proud. And you've obviously come
4: and visited probably the the best weekend you could have on our new Red Bull F1 Energy Station.
5: What do you make of this so far? Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I entered from the, on the circuit and I was on the car and then I, I was checking and I said, what is this? This is a, <laughs> this is a flat, is a house, or what? <laughs> because it was so big. But uh, yeah, then uh, it will be nice to, to be here on the first day of uh, energy station. And do you have any more plans to come and visit us throughout the next couple of seasons? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I would like to come some uh, maybe Monaco, maybe this kind of circuit uh, inside a city because uh, also the experience uh, I think is uh, will be will be nice. Well, thank you very much Mark for joining us here in
4: Spain. Um, like I said, I hope we get to see you again soon. Yeah, of course, um, good, good weather in Spain and good food. So. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, we'll and do. we wish you all the best for the rest of the season and hope you can claim your sixth World Championship. We will try, we will try. Thank you very much.
2: Great to hear from Mark. Hope to see you in Monaco at some point soon. Now, as you know on the podcast, we'd like to introduce you to members of the team that you wouldn't normally hear from. This time, we're spending 60 seconds with Olaf Janssen. I'm Olaf Janssen. I'm the trackside infrastructure engineer at Aston Martin Red Bull Racing. I'm part of a team of two that provide the IT infrastructure for track for the team to do their roles. My job involves setting up the technical infrastructure at the track, comprises of 10 servers, 80 monitors, 60 laptops, 800 meters of CAT6 cabling, 30 network switches, 60 terabytes of storage and we create 350 to 500 gigabytes of data and events. The Trackside infrastructure comprises of the wall, garage, engineer's office and the ops room back in the UK. These are all connected via network and also intercom communication system. Issues we face Trackside are limited space, limited time to set up and pack down, reliability mainly caused by environmental issues. I started at Red Bull in 2005, I haven't looked back since. Great to hear from Olaf. Right now, though, it's more of Tom's exclusive chat with our new driver, Alexander Albon. We've heard about his life on the track. Let's find out more about the man himself.
3: Alex, can you tell us a little bit about
0: your background uh, and how you first discovered motorsport? I've dual nationality, half Thai, half British. My mum's Thai, dad British. Dad was the one who got me into racing. I was five, I think, when I went to my first track, which was Silverstone. Kind of heard that V10 noise and just went, yeah, this is this is very cool. I was a massive Schumacher fanboy, if I could even say that here, (laughs) but I was. I had a kind of red, red everything, red shirt. I got my dad to paint my bedroom red. I had red duvet covers, that kind of thing. So a bit obsessed, it's fair to say. And uh, kind of all this obsession of of motorsport, because I I was also a big fan of Rossi. (laughs) Sorry if Marquez is. (laughs) I know a lot of these people are watching, listening to Marquez, but uh, yeah, um, I was a big fan of Rossi as well. And that whole kind of environment of motorsport, uh, I got my first car when I was seven. I lived on a farm. Next door to us was like this barn. My dad got me like this, just two bricks, really. And it was a figure of eight. So you could just imagine weaving in and out. After school, just push my dad every day to, to drive it, And it would just tie me. And we do like three laps of this figure of eight. And of course, lap times kind of got better as you start to learn kind of the basic, let's say driver control, that kind of thing. From then on, we just, uh, T took me to my first track. I wasn't too bad, nothing nothing amazing, <laughs> but uh, stuck to it and uh, yeah, went on from there and then just started to become British champion and then went through the ranks and eventually raced max European and world championships and then moved over to single seasons.
3: I guess even as a youngster, when you're in the Red Bull Junior program, you, you had dreams of making it to Formula One. Um, have there ever been any moments where you thought the dream might not become a reality?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um twice, twice to a point where I was like convinced there was nothing gonna happen. Um, 2012 was a big one for me that was actually I mean I think it's fair to say I, I had a very bad year personally and also just driving wise just wasn't quick it was my first year from co-karts so it's quite a big year for any driver some drivers adapt really easily through from carts to cars others take more time I definitely was the latter and uh, just struggled, struggled with with, with the driving and um, and I didn't have a lot of money back then so I thought that was it, I thought 20, going into 2013 there was there was nothing for me but um, luckily we got some, some money together thanks to my manager at the time and uh, we got it going, kind of got onto the grid in 2013 and just even 2013 itself wasn't even that good but just had enough results, good results to kind of see potential there, just wants us to see potential there and um, Got a a good drive for 2014, and then finished I think third in the championship back then. And then again last year, like as I said last year, literally just <laughs> truthfully begging on the phone to to get a seat into into Formula Formula Two, never mind Formula One. And it was just about going race by race, and so much doubt. But it's weird. I mean, people say, "Wow, that was that's tough," but. It's only tough for a, a while. It was almost like treating every race as a, your last chance, um, and you kind of have this really gritty attitude towards driving. And uh, yeah, you kind of just turn that turn that kind of negative doubt if you're going to race into a positive, and start to come really hungry for it. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good period, and uh, got wind was leading the championship and fighting with with George for for the championship. And uh, yeah got a got a place into Formula One.
3: Who are some of the sort of main people behind the scenes who sort of have really supported you
0: along the way? It's a lot of people actually. Um, family obviously is, is a big help. Mum and dad, they were kind of the ones to keep me strong through the tough times. And uh, my uncle kind of getting me contacts for Thailand because that's really where my money was coming from, was that kind of, that chance to to keep racing. My manager at the time, Gwen, who uh, who's now part of the Mercedes junior team, and then yeah, just friends really. It was just yeah. I wouldn't say a lot of people. It was a small network with a lot of passion and and people that really cared about me, and uh, they were the ones to to keep keep me motivated and to to help me because yeah, there was no way I was gonna find budget for for motorsport. It is an insanely expensive sport, and I was very lucky as well to have the Thai connection because. They're, Yeah, it would never have been a possibility.
3: We hear that you've got a pretty big family at home and and you actually live nearby to the factory. Um,
0: It must be quite an easy commute for you now on sim days. It's literally 10 minutes from my house. So it's perfect. I see all these drivers living in Monaco and part of me is jealous. And then the other side of me think, well, they have to waste one day of travel, one day of sim, another day of travel. So uh, they have to waste three days of their life. It was all, all from 2012 because because I was with Red Bull at that in in the, at that period from go-karts to cars. Uh, we, we we moved house and there was not really we didn't really have an idea of where we, we wanted to go. So really Milton Keynes was a logical place because it was because Red Bull was here and I was a Red Bull driver at the time. My whole family came with me. I have three sisters and a brother, so they went went to school around the area. It's a little bit more less hectic now. Everyone's at uni, so it's a lot quieter. But um. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's nice to be here, and, and even even better now because now I now I literally am in Milton Keynes. There's no excuses to have a chat with my engineer face to face, and and I think it will only help that kind of learning process, getting up to speed as quick as possible in the cars this year. Um, how well do you get on with your siblings, your big family? <laughs> yeah, well, we there's five siblings in a in a four-bedroom house, so we're we're close. Um, we've been through some tough times together. Let's say that, and. Uh, yeah, we, we get we get along well. Actually just even was it two days ago? The GCSE results, everyone's yeah. G C S E results came out. And uh, my little brother did like amazing.
3: So, I just want to touch on something else with you. Um, obviously, you were born in London, but race yes. under the Thai flag, as you touched on. Yeah. How proud were you earlier this year when you became the first Thai driver to score in F1 since 1954? Yeah, Especially crazy. considering the last driver to do so
0: was actually a member of the Thai royal family, Prince Bira. Yeah, it's really crazy. And even when I go to Thailand, I meet relatives from of Prince Bira, And it's like, it's just full circle, really weird. Because I, I, I was in... Uh, my first points was, was it, were in Bahrain, and I was just flew straight away to Thailand after that, and it was like quite weird. And, and I think Thailand isn't known for Formula One, so uh, even even motorsport in general isn't big. I'd say MotoGP is a lot bigger in Thailand than than Formula One, and that's also because they have that the racing brewery around there. So yeah, it, it's it's really cool. and I, I kind of see that pickup of of excitement in Thailand. I was there also the, before the first race in Melbourne and there was a lot of people but to be honest it wasn't crazy I mean there were a couple of people in the hotel lobby at the time which I still thought was was, was nuts it, and it was a bit like the people that know me really know me like I had a, 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 an elderly woman crying right in front of me and I was like well, what's going on this is like all nuts but saying that there wasn't that many people and now I was there not long ago a month ago and the pickup of interest was just huge it was suddenly people notice him on the streets that kind of thing and uh yeah it was uh, it was really cool to see and i kind of see it and uh, it scares me at the same time like okay i don't want to become like a like an old sister. that's not kind of the stuff i like but uh it is really nice to see and i uh, just kind of this whole red bull even promotion it, it's um, it's big news out there
3: yeah so you definitely think there's room for the sport to grow in the region well, we might even see you in a show car on the streets of bangkok yeah, one day that's really
0: cool <laughs> i don't know if you saw mark weber did one I can't remember, it must have been around 2010. Um, and that went down amazing.
3: And um, you
0: actually even race with a, a tie symbol on, on the back of your helmet? Yeah, that's the tie number nine is what you see. And it, it's, it's on your RB11 as well. Um, so it, it's basically the, the the King Rama nine. Um, he passed away in 2016, I believe it was, which is was why you, you have it on that car. And uh, just he had a huge influence. I, I don't know if you've... I, I have not seen it where one person has had such an incredible kind of loving from so many people. If if you ever saw a funeral, it was millions, millions mm-hmm. kind of going on the streets. I was there the week he passed away. I think it was like 38, 39 degrees and people were out on the streets kind of mourning, all wearing black. And there was just people fainting everywhere. But it was so normal to them or or just they didn't really care care about it just because they they wanted to show kind of their love for him and it was just incredible to see.
3: Away from the racetrack, we're coming towards the end now, what what are some of the things that you like to do just to, you know, unwind and and forget about racing? (laughs) I'd say I'm a very normal
0: person. Normal as in, I like computer games, so maybe not that normal, but uh, nerdy. Normal for you. Normal for maybe my age and a guy, I don't know. So uh play a lot of Fortnite, Call of Duty, that kind of thing with friends and just kind of really switch away, switch off from the whole racing scene completely. So I enjoy that a lot, even though it's with a lot of the time drivers as well, we still do it together kind of thing. And yeah, just give each other rubbish basically. And then apart from that, I quite like cooking. I'm not very good at it, but I like doing it. <laughs> uh, and, and it sounds boring, but also just training. I feel like it's such a big part of our lives now, that even when we stop to relax, like, like uh, I spent the first five days after hungry not training, and it just feels really wrong. Like you feel really bad and uh, you feel kind of lazy and slow. So uh, we enjoy training as well. What's your uh, specialty dish? My carbonara is really good. Like, you know, none of this cream, like the pure eggs and Parmesan, um, I think that's, that's maybe my go-to, but obviously it's not the healthiest dish. We have a nutritionist, for people that don't know, and she works for a lot of the Formula 1 drivers. She, she kind of teaches us the do's and don'ts of, of, of nutrition. So most of the time we, we're cooking chicken, we're cooking rice, we're cooking, we're cooking vegetables. I'm not sure there's much you can do with that stuff. I don't know, maybe I need to get taught by someone else, but the, uh, maybe my mum's my, my taught me poorly, but there's, no, there's only so much variation you can do to chicken before it just gets boring.
3: And just to finish off with, can you tell us something completely random
0: about yourself that people might not know? People might know this, people might not know. My first word was uh, Ferrari. So I couldn't say Ferrari. So this was kind of leading onto that obsession I was saying about All But um, I used to just say Rari, Rari. Because I was, a, I was an absolute nut. So but it didn't obviously I didn't know the body shape of a Ferrari I just saw a red
2: car and was like rari Rari." <laughs> so yeah. Alright, thank you, Alex. Best of luck with the first race this weekend, Alex. We're all behind you. That's almost it for this edition of Talking Ball. We leave you with an exclusive track from Floors. This is here to stay. We'll be back soon with more action from the track, the paddock, and the factory. Until then, take care.
1: It's my fault. for
0: listening, don't forget to subscribe
2: on your favorite podcasting platform.